0: You are listening to Keep Canada Weird, a weekly weird news roundup by the Nighttime Podcast.
1: Hello listeners and welcome back to the weekly Keep Canada Weird discussion series. If you're new here, Keep Canada Weird is the venue in which my pal handsome Aaron Airport and I seek out and explore the more offbeat Canadian news stories that caught our eye over the past week. In tonight's episode, which we recorded on the evening of August 22nd, 2023, Aaron and I find ourselves looking straight down the barrel of another weird rifle. We catch up on the story of that Donair costume Alberta's trying to sell. We hear about a Canadian lockpick who was called upon by an American bookstore. We weigh in on the slightly overgrown but pointless sign in Kitchener. And Keep Canada Weird reviews a collection of Keep Canada Weird podcast reviews. So let's get into it. Handsome Aaron Airport. Tell me one weird thing that happened to you today.
2: Today? Yeah. Um. Uh, that's really putting me on the spot. Nothing weird Damn. happened today. Damn it! You're supposed to be an expert on this. Just because anything because, weird happened. Well, that's that's anything- really. Uh, I don't I don't like that you said that because just because you and I might be uh, experts in the weird doesn't mean that might be we are. Well, it's probably arguable depending on who's listening. Like some people may disagree that you and I know anything about anything. Idiots, yeah. Yeah, they're idiots. We think that, but other people may think that they're smart people. Oh my god, yeah, you're right. Okay, well let's let's not limit it to today.
1: Maybe. Uh, how do you feel about the price of gas? It's brutal. It's a dollar 90 right now. Yeah. And is the
2: price of food different or weird? It's still high. I still uh, It's we-
1: I'd say the the price of food is weird.
2: I, I don't know. find it weird. It's just high. Okay, to do, um, but you know exactly what's going on. You know the the grocery stores are ripping us off, man. Well, I'd love to talk
1: with you about the price of food and gas and our boring lives, but we got to jump right into listener feedback so we can get on with this show here. Uh, th- this we I, I guess calling it listener feedback is understating it. What we have here to listen to is a listener named Aaron who seems to not only believe in the animal uprising hypothesis that we talk so much about, Erin believes she knows exactly where it started. Listen to this. Okay.
0: Hey, Jordan. Hey, handsome Erin Airport. Um, This is Erin from way down in the States, um, Alabama. So I'm calling to um, kind of tell you, I I know a couple other listeners think that they know the origin of the Animal uprising, and um, you know, I think I, I think I may know the actual origin. And Aaron Airport, I'm sure that you'll be able to enlighten us on on the truth of that. But here's the story. So this was years ago. Uh, my mom has a client who um, had a four-year-old child. They took him to the zoo, and I, I don't remember which zoo it was. It was in a different state, um, but they had a traveling penguin exhibit and um on the way home the child kept sitting in the back seat and and he was saying mom mom i got a penguin i've got a penguin in my backpack and the parents just yeah okay son you know good thinking that he had maybe talking about the stuffed animal they had bought him or uh, maybe just that he had like an imaginary friend uh so once they got home they discovered that he actually. Had a penguin in his backpack, so I'm not here to judge their parenting. Uh, I'm not really sure how the child got away from them long enough um, to get the penguin, but the story goes that he had gone through one of those little bitty doors that accesses um, the exhibit, and it, I guess it wasn't locked. He went in there, took a penguin, threw it in his backpack, and they left. So the parents called the zoo and let them know that, you know, their son had stolen a penguin, and they gave them instructions on how to put him in an ice bath um, to keep him cold enough, and they flew someone from the zoo um, to their home to pick the penguin up. So, I'm just kind of thinking that, you know, maybe this was the start of the animal uprising. You know, one of our young stealing one of their young word gets out and doesn't look good on us humans uh, let me know what you think
1: new listeners to the show are probably like what the hell is going on <laughs> but let's just say that aaron and i and the entire keep canada weird army everyone in keep canada weird nation has been following along with you could call it the animal uprising hypothesis but we believe it to be fact that animals are sentient they're mobilizing and they're here to take back what's theirs Aaron believes this bizarre mix-up at the zoo may be the initial stone thrown in the animal uprising. Uh, first of all, let's Aaron. Let's talk about it as uh, just in the context of this event. Could you imagine going to the zoo with a child and that child wanders off and puts a penguin in his backpack? Do you believe this story? I'm surprised that the penguin survived. Like. I'm surprised that the penguin didn't kick the crap out of the kid. Yeah, but that, this is—they're is, vicious, well, aren't isn't they? Isn't
2: this a baby penguin? Like, how did, how hmm. did? I, I where's just, the mother penguin? Where's the mother penguin in all this? And that's really where the the blame falls—is on the mother penguin not uh, looking after its young properly.
1: Yeah, if anyone should be rising up, it's like whatever this mm-hmm. child protection services equivalent is for the penguin community. Uh, but do you believe this story? Could this happen? Do
2: you see this happening? I believe it. I can't see why a listener with a beautiful name such as Aaron would call in and and uh, spout lies, and spout lies, and and mistruths about the origins mm-hmm. of the animal uprising, unless to. Some kind of an attention-getting stunt, but
1: yeah, uh, what makes me believe it is like it's if it wasn't a true story, if it was just this urban legend going around, it would be like you know he took the penguin home and whatever. That's how it would end. But this after fe- after theft of the ice bath and someone from the zoo coming out to their house and everything, uh, that that just rings true to me. I do believe this story. Oh, my God, what a charade. What a spectacle that must have been. But, but is it spectacle enough for the animals to be like, that's it?
2: No, I mean, I've always spoken on the show about how far back the animal uprising, or at least the uh, circumstances that uh, spawned the the animals need to uprise against us, uh, goes back as far as humanity does um Mm -hmm. you know as it probably even goes back far enough where we used to be animals ourselves you know we we Mm -hmm. some could say we still are but we were animals Mm. um at one point in time but then we evolved into uh humans you know we evolved from monkeys we evolved from uh little tiny slippery things that lived in the water, you know, it goes all the way back. So I think there's a mm-hmm. little, and I hate to say this, but I think there's a little bit of uh, envy and jealousy from the animals watching us who used to be on the same level as them evolve into a being that was then able to rise to the top of the food chain and take over the world. And then Mm -hmm. they sat back getting the scraps, literally in a lot of circumstances, Mm -hmm. uh, sitting at a table Mm -hmm. begging for food from us. I think Mm -hmm. that's really where the animal uprising started. That's where it all goes back to. And circumstances like this, I'm not saying it's not involved, that it doesn't make the situation worse and make the animals want to continue their uprising against us, but definitely... um, The animal uprising goes all the way back to the dawn of time
1: yeah I'm sure if you went through caves and found cave drawings from thousands of years ago you'd probably see drawings of animals in there
2: yeah I think your scientific opinion there is correct Mm -hmm. Um, well that's enough
1: of of that we got to get into it here we have a full card and, I'm, and it's one I'm excited for. In fact, one of the stories we're going to talk about tonight is maybe my favorite story we have we will have covered on Keep Canada Weird yet. Tonight, we're going to get into that don't air caution we talked about a few weeks back. We're going to hear on how the United States of America called on Canada's greatest lock picker to solve a mystery. We're going to hear about an overgrown sign in Kitchener, and we'll end it. With Keep Canada Weird reviewing Keep Canada Weird reviews. Mm. Reviews for the Keep Canada Weird podcast.
2: Sounds needlessly complicated. <laughs> let's get into it, buddy. You ready for this? I was born ready. You know that. That's why you hired me.
1: Let's start right at... Uh, let's start with this the story that updates our prior story. We talked several weeks ago about the... Um, the Alberta government auctioning off, through that government surplus auction, a donair costume. Of an, a needlessly realistic-looking donaire costume. We talked about how people from all over the country were interested. They were bidding on it. Well, the whole thing's over. The After over 1,700 bids, a company called Primetime Donair and Poutine won the month-long sale paying just over $16,000 for this Donair costume. Before we talk about it, let's hear a short news clip. We were
3: amused by it. We thought it was funny. That was Adele Seam's first reaction when he saw this donair costume up for auction on surplus sales, Alberta's online auction site. Over the past month, more than 1,700 bids were placed on the costume. Asim was the highest bidder, shelling out just over $16,000. This is an Alberta costume. It was made by the Alberta government. It should stay in Alberta and be with Albertans. And that's why I, I kept bidding up. Primetime donaire has 19 locations in alberta 17 of them are in edmonton a seam plans on using the costume to promote his brand yeah, i might squeeze my 16 year old son into it just to kind of get him, get him going around but uh, we definitely we're, we're we're thinking of collaborating with some comedians possibly and doing some TikTok content that way so still to be determined. He's also thinking about using it for charitable causes like Edmonton's food bank. Whether it's providing meals, participating in an event, or just having our mascot out with your mascot, giving hugs and high fives, there's always opportunities and we'll see what happens and where it takes us. The minister responsible for overseeing the sale says he was pleasantly surprised to see the donor go for such
2: a hefty price tag. It has certainly made for an interesting story. And, and the good news is, uh, it, yeah, we're getting our money back so the uh alberta taxpayers are, are being paid back for their investment in that donair costume
3: as for what the money will be spent on
2: well i can say that uh, we're having some conversations and there's been a lot of talk no final decisions have been made but uh, stay tuned with this story is always evolving and changing who knows what's going
3: to happen for now people will soon be able to catch the donair out in the wild it's going to be in the malls for sure we've got a couple of high profile mall locations so the some of the first uh, appearances will be in the mall Okay. Where do we start with this one?
2: Oh, there's a number of ways you could start this one off. I want to, before I forget the quote, uh, the lady said, oh, we're going to have it at food banks and have it out with other mascots giving hugs and high fives. (laughs)
1: Well, that's worth 16000 Can you imagine
2: anyone in their right mind wanting to hug this thing?
1: Or, or like if you're at a food bank, why would you need like a life-size donaire costume? Like they wouldn't serve donaires at a food bank for one. And secondly, it's not the kind of place where like I think like there's people in mascots running. Yeah, around. It's it's like people the point to of a mascot of
2: is, to, is to increase sales of your business, right? So the mascot yeah. appears in different public events. And people say, oh, yeah, there's Ronald McDonald. Oh, McDonald's. Let's go get McDonald's. You know, like it's but appearing at a food bank is not going to elevate your sales. It's not going to. It, It just seems like an inappropriate spot to show up in a costume, especially that costume. Again, we talked about this when this story originally aired and before anyone actually bought it and just how disgusting this costume is because it's too it's, real it's way too it's real too realistic
1: looking. right when you generally if you have a costume designed after like an animal or food or something it's this kind of cartoon version of it in the costume yeah this this is like you look like you're a giant donaire with it, arms. it looks
2: like you have a magnifying glass and you found an an old donaire somewhere and you're just looking at it through the <laughs> magnifying glass and you um, see all the grit and the details and the sliminess of, like, Donairs are delicious, but they, they're not visually attractive at all. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Um, what about his quote about, like,
1: this was an Alberta costume. We're an Alberta place. We bid on it because we want this to stay in Alberta. Do you think there was genuinely any kind of like Alberta pride that went into him spending sixteen thousand dollars on this atrocity.
2: No, there's or was that just no. that just felt he's like it just feels right to say it. Yeah, and it's sixteen thousand dollars <laughs> like, oh what what are we gonna do and spend this money on? Like the the actual Oh the, the government government is like, no, that that money's going right back to the Alberta government. We're talking about big oil Alberta here. Like sixteen thousand dollars <laughs> is literally not even a blip on the map for Alberta. No, no. And the fact that they're like, Well, where are we gonna spend that money now that we have now that Alberta is sixteen thousand dollars richer now? <laughs> <laughs> um anyway, this
1: this whole thing, in my mind, buddy bought it because it was free publicity because the press, the media was already covering this. The story of this donair costume is already on Keep Canada weird. Maybe this was his ticket to get talked about on the show. Uh, you got your way, buddy. Cost 16 grand.
2: Yeah, yeah. You got you got some news coverage. Now, put that costume in a closet somewhere and never take it out again.
1: OK, that settles it. Um, the verdict for us on this story is uh, guilty.
2: No, it's yeah. Guilty. No, it's gross. Yeah, guilty of gross. being not just, just a verdict. Stamps un- gross nonsense. on it and disgusting. And ugh, the don't air sauce is just anyone who's listening to the podcast and hasn't visually seen this costume yet, needs to YouTube it and uh, just see exactly what you need to see it to believe it. It's so disgusting. Uh, Seeing as we're on the topic
1: of donairs um, by way of donair costumes, we accidentally kind of stepped into some controversy, uh, it seems, with this whole donair business. We talked about donairs on the show uh, when, when we first covered the donair costume and how they... We thought that they were like kind of an East Coast thing. Then we heard from Jake from Germany, who provided their understanding of the history of Donair. Remember, uh, Mm -hmm. Jake pronounced it a little different and talked about it. Uh, Well, I think by Jake sharing their thoughts on the history of Donairs on the show, they caught the ire of East Coast listeners who firmly believe donaires are our thing. I, want to, I got several emails about this, but I also got a voice memo. Listen to this piece of listener mail. Uh, this is feedback for Jake. Jake, if you're listening, you stepped in it. Listen to this.
0: Hi, Jordan and Aaron. I was listening to your Keep Canada Weird yesterday, and I was listening to the response from Jack from Germany. I think that... Maybe they should go have a look at Wikipedia and look up Donair. Um, The Donair, spelled D-O-N-A-I-R, is a Halifax food, was invented in Halifax, and it is Halifax's official food. So, it's a modification of the D-O-N-O-R, but it's different, and it's Halifax's. And they don't have it in Germany. Thank you.
2: Ouch. Wow. Uh, do you think that, I think that was personal. She sounded actually angry. Like she was <laughs> steaming in the chair, like it goes to Wikipedia. And it's like, you know, Wikipedia is, it's something you can access, but it's not the be all end all of, of accurate information either, because anybody... Can access a Wikipedia and change it and alter it and add their own spin to it. So to take that as gospel, I don't know. That's kind of a slippery slope, I think.
1: Well, are you implying that there's some kind of like corporate espionage where people are going on Wikipedia and messing with the uh, etymology of the word or the food doner as a way to... Take it from what was it? The Turkish people is what mm-hmm. Jake in Germany thought. Uh, needless to say, that that voice memo I think shines a light on the doner from wherever it's from. Halifax has claimed it in its current form, the form you and I know it as, the form that that costume displays. I think if you go to Turkey or Germany. There may be something similar with a cooler sounding name, but it's probably a little bit different. Well, I, every, think every, I think they're every both food right. food
2: is a little bit different depending on where you are mm. in the world. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's not that food. So mm. I hate to disagree with, um, you know, an East Coast listener who's pissed. Uh, because, yeah, Halifax does take a lot of pride in popularizing the Donair. But certainly we can all agree that, It didn't originate from there, (laughs) you know. So I think that's kind of, is it Jake or, I think it's Jake from Germany or is it Jack or Jake? I think it's Jake. Okay, well, we'll go with Jake for now.
1: Jake or Jack from Germany. We offered to send ketchup chips to in the last episode. I haven't heard from them. No, no. So if, if you're listening, if you're listening, two things, three things. One, you upset someone about Donair's. Uh, and they came to us thanks a lot Two, get in touch so we can send you some ketchup chips and get your review Uh, three could you is it Jake or Jack clear it up for
2: us but let's move on I don't want to upset anyone else yeah yeah well we're both already upset too so everybody's upset tonight Uh,
1: our next story isn't gonna upset anyone I think this is a victimless weird story have you ever picked a lock have you ever had a bedroom lock that you had to pick and you locked yourself out or something
2: i've never you know i I've, I've i broke into your apartment one time are you serious yeah yeah i did <laughs> i don't remember this tell me well okay so we'll 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 deep dive into this but it just okay. the memory just popped back into my head and i remember this very clearly you and I did live together in this apartment eventually. But before that, I was uh, it was you and a few other guys living there. And But I would hang out at your place all the time. Mm-hmm. And I was mm-hmm. out one night with some other friends. And I didn't have enough money for a cab ride because I was staying all the way out in Bayer's Lake in okay. Halifax. So it was kind of a more of an expensive cab ride. I didn't have any money for a cab. So I was like, okay... I'll walk to Jordan's and then you guys weren't home mm-hmm. and I was able to do the old credit card trick because no one was home.
1: Oh. So you put the credit card in and like kind of slid it down
2: through the door and it moved the latch and then I was able to get in and you guys were gone. Wow. And then I went and slept on your couch and then you guys were out that night and you came, you and your roommates came home out from drinking at the bar that night and you were, and I was there so much anyway that it wasn't that unusual that I was asleep on your couch but I remember your roommate Sam being like was Aaron here when we left what what's going on and I heard him but I just pretended to be asleep it was like I don't want to tell them that I broke into the this apartment. is a problem for tomorrow. if they vaguely think that I might have been here before they left then I'll just keep that
1: yeah uh Well, that was good. It's good that you're able to trip the lock and find safe passage into our house and a sanctuary from the elements. Uh, The only locks I think I've ever picked are um, some doors like interior doors, like the door to your bathroom. It has like a little line. And if you get like a coin or something, you can like turn it and open the lock. Or sometimes there's a little hole and if you stick a Q-tip in, it opens the lock. Yeah, there are some pretty pathetic
2: uh, locks out there that any child could crack.
1: Yeah, well, those are the only locks I've ever cracked, the ones a child could crack. But I like the idea of being a lock pick. I'd love to be able to like really know how they work, and I'm using pins well, and listening the, to the sounds. You can get
2: those kits online, you know, a lock. To learn how to yeah, do it? Yeah, yeah, and then you can learn how to do it. I think it's, it takes some skill, but you can learn it. Well, what
1: I've learned is there's also groups on, Facebook's, on Facebook and web pages where... Amateur lockpicks from all around the world gather and discuss you know the cutting edge of lockpicking. And as it turns out, one of the best lock pickers in Canada is a man from Winnipeg. He's a bus driver, and he was tasked tasked or took on the challenge, I sh- I should say, of picking a lock. To a safe that was in a bookstore in the United States. Now, the the way this we're gonna hear the story in a second, but the way this works, you, you may have seen something like this. You go into a store or something, and there's like this safe that they usually it's this big old thing. And they don't have the key for it, and there'll be a sign, you know, like try a combination, try to pick this lock or open this
2: safe. Have you ever seen something like no, that? No, I've like, never seen like a a okay. public lock picking campaign where. Okay.
1: There's, I have, there's a place, it's like a used, collectible, pawn shoppy kind of place in Halifax. And they have a large safe that someone like donated. It has a combination lock and they don't know the combination. And they say whoever, whoever can find the right combination wins a gift card or something. Um, but it seems like this bookstore in the United States was doing something similar or found themselves in a similar situation. And a man from Winnipeg was the man
3: for the job listen to this story people in baltimore maryland tried to open a mysterious old safe at a bookstore that is until a winnipeg transit driver with a knack for safe cracking took on the challenge Uh, as a joke they put it in in the group saying you should go and do this so as a as a rebuttal i said well if you guys pay for it then i'll go do it winnipegger rick amazzini heard about the safe through an online group of safe safe cracking hobbyists he raised enough money to travel to baltimore and unlock the safe at red emma's bookstore and while he was successful there wasn't anything of value inside the safe Rick Amazini has come down all the way from Winnipeg, Manitoba. Apparently a couple of dozen people have given it a
1: try. It took me 10 hours because the lock was not cooperating properly. So when it finally did what it was supposed to do, it was a big relief and I turned that handle as fast as I could. I couldn't have done it without the help of the group that I'm part of. So it's really a group effort. The only thing that was of interest, it was a pay stub from 1924.
3: This whole experience
1: taught me if you just have to put yourself out there and do something that's totally crazy like fly to baltimore and try to open a safe and then it just might work out for you so he did it uh first question for you aaron Mm -hmm. is if you're a bus driver who has the skills to crack any safe why do you become a bus driver is there not like is he maybe just that honest i just feel like he has access to a lot of wealth
2: well the reason that someone who picks safe locks like this guy does has to keep a regular day job because as you can see, most of the safes that you're going to open have nothing in them. So he's mm-hmm. not finding anything of value ever. Um What, how much are they even uh, I mean, in this case, all he got paid was his travel. I think was just to get there to mm-hmm. be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Um Then there was just an old pay stub in there from the twenties. Like uh, it's just, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't seem like it's a lucrative business. Well, I'm
1: thinking there's probably safes that have a lot of valuable stuff in them. And this guy can probably get in them if he wants
2: to. But I, I would think that most safes that had anything of value in them that have been abandoned. I'm talking about robbing banks, man. Robbing banks? That's illegal. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay.
1: Well, you're you're as ethical as this guy because your mind didn't even go there. No, um,
2: because think of th- took this guy 10 hours to crack this safe. We're (laughs) going to sit and try to rob a bank with the little needles pointing into the lock, listening up to it for 10 hours, like trying all the different combinations.
1: Yeah. And I think robbing a bank could be so impractical.
2: Especially with you, because now that I'm kind of getting a glimpse into your bank robbing mind, like that's how you would have (laughs) tried to do it? Like (laughs) He even... uh... when i
1: read the article yeah it took him about 10 hours to get into the thing but it that included him like he was like live in that group talking to people and it was members of the group who were kind of helping him Mm -hmm. figure out what to do so it was really like he even says himself like it was a, a kind of a collaboration between him and the other members of his group that did it so i think uh yeah, well, it wasn't exactly uh, like a Mission Impossible kind of scene, but it's cool that a Canadian went down there and did it. That's that's interesting. It's
2: cool that he did it, that he was able to do it. Um, it's just kind of, you know, they're already there, and, and the safe has been in their business for God knows how long, and they've always wanted it opened, and, oh, someone's going to come down and do it for us. Oh, okay, and they sit there for 10 hours wheeling and dealing on the Internet and trying to crack this thing open and finally again it's like oh there's nothing in here oh well thanks for coming it wasn't really a waste of our time
1: <laughs> well it kind of sucks for the bookstore now they just got this big stupid safe with nothing in yeah, it Yeah, but like, it doesn't change the anything mystery for
2: the, the mystery was interesting oh we've got this old safe oh, yeah. here it's never opened uh but it's not a waste of their time you know nothing changes yeah, well, for them really
1: there's um I think something changes. That bookstore, if you went in a bookstore and there's a massive safe in the center of it and they're like, we don't know what's in there. We can't get it open. People from all over the world have tried. It could be anything. Yeah, but then you just lock like, it
2: again and and, you, and put something it's in it. has been on the news. You know, put something in they it.
1: break the lock and be like, shit. Yeah, be
2: like, it's locked again and we put something in there. So come back to our store. And we forgot what it yeah, was. Yeah, we forgot. <laughs> so we don't even know. So the mystery is back. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: Maybe that'll work. There is a place in outside of Halifax. They call it the Diefen Bunker, which it's an underground uh, like bomb shelter kind of thing that was built by the Canadian government, I think, maybe during the Cold War. Uh, and now you can like pay to get a tour of it and such. But um, there's a safe in that that. The owner of the bunker it's now privately owned. The owner can't get the safe open. And I think they do like they go on YouTube and try a different combination every day or every couple days with a plan of eventually they're going to get the right combination and open mm. it.
2: Maybe there'll be nothing in it. But well, I would say it sounds like more than likely there'll be nothing in it. Because, again, if there was something of value at one point in time in that safe, the person who knew it was there, who had the combination, took that thing of value out of it and then mm. shut the door sh- of the safe and left it there because safes are very complicated to move especially the yeah. older large ones so mm-hmm. just because it's there locked doesn't mean there's anything in it and a 99.9 percent chance is that there's nothing in it at all
4: Now,
1: before we get into the next story, I just want to tease what's coming at the end of this episode. I've been thinking about doing this for a while. Now that keep Can- the Keep Canada Weird podcast is its own standalone podcast on Apple Podcasts and all the other podcast places with bonus content being added, we're getting reviews. People finding the show, um, naturally coming upon it, listening and giving us a short review of what they think about it. We're going to end this show tonight with a collection of those reviews but before we get into the next story i just want to read one. okay the ti- the title of this sto- this review is be Prepare be prepared for the best weirdness they gave us a five out of five star review they say i'm a huge fan of nighttime it was the first podcast i followed and while i live in the united states i love listening to keep canada weird jordan and aaron are my favorite podcast hosts and i'm ready and looking forward to the animal uprising Please, I encourage everyone to listen to these brilliant and attractive podcast hosts. That's from Elizabeth Sandman.
2: Mm-hmm. What do you think? Uh, very flattered. Very flattered that uh, she called us. brilliant, brilliant and, attractive. and attractive. Yeah, that's very okay. kind. Very generous. Extremely generous. He obviously doesn't watch the live stream on on YouTube. No, no. <laughs> so never watch <laughs> the live stream on YouTube because don't. Don't tune in to this. It's like the finding out who the real Wizard of Oz is is this little yeah. It's like opening the man. safe and finding, finding a pay stub. Opening
1: the safe. <laughs>
2: yeah, we're,
1: we're the aesthetic uh, equivalent of a pay stub in a safe.
2: Yeah, finding what somebody else got paid. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, all right, let's get into our final story. This is the one I teased at the beginning. This may be my favorite. I don't actually at fear of building it up too much i'm still gonna say it this may be my favorite story that we've covered yet on keep canada weird because i think this one has it all <laughs> this uh this story involves bushes and kitchener that are blocking a pointless sign i'm gonna call this section bushes and kitchener blocking a pointless sign uh, this involves residents in a Kitchener neighborhood that are raising concerns about overgrown trees and bushes that are blocking a sign that welcomes people into their neighborhood. So y- you've probably been to a neighborhood where you know you leave the main street and as you turn into this new little subdivision or neighborhood, there's like a sign uh, on a rock or on a piece of wood, or it's you know like "Welcome to Hampton Bay," a community of people, you know something like this, and it's just this kind of little pointless sign that welcomes you to the neighborhood. Uh, in this area in Kitchener, I think the neighborhood's called Crossroads, the bushes around that sign have grown in, grown up too much. People are pissed. Listen to this. Well, residents in the Kitchener neighborhood are raising concerns about overgrown trees and bushes. They
4: want to see them maintained, but are having a hard time finding out who is responsible, the city or the region. CTV's Heather Center it takes a look at that neighbors in this Laurentian Hills neighborhood say it's a great place to live. But there's two growing problems. All the overgrowth of the trees and the bushes. Tucked away behind the overgrowth at each corner are two signs to welcome residents. But some say, what signs? I just don't know what, what's behind there. I have to move this bush here, there. Can you see now? Residents call it an unkempt eyesore. They're a disgrace to our nice community. Our neighborhood deserves better. You can actually see this one a little bit better. Beth Koa has lived here for almost 15 years and says the signs were visible then. I'm ashamed of how it looks like right now. It does not represent our neighborhood, which is a really nice neighborhood to live in. According to Google Maps, this is what the signs looked like at the intersection of Windflower Drive and Ottawa Street in 2014. It has to be cut right down. Kowal says she's been trying to get the area maintained, but has been bounced around from the city to the region with no luck. At least four, maybe six times I've sent emails to them and still getting the same answer. It's not their issue. They're passing it on to somebody else. No one has taken onus on this. We reached out to both the city of Kitchener and the region of Waterloo and they both told us the same thing, that they will not be able to provide us information today as the region and the city will be connecting to discuss. Both the city and the region haven't confirmed who is responsible for maintaining it, but that won't stop residents from pushing back. Trim the bushes so we can see this this nice sign that was supposed to be you know there for our community the signs read crossroad your new beginning with residents hoping their fresh start isn't buried beneath for much longer oh.
1: I, I love a story of people complaining about pointless stuff this is it oh my goodness where, where do you want to start with well, this
2: everybody everybody who hears this story has to be coming to the same conclusion and question exactly like a universal language you know everybody comes to the exact same question why don't they just cut it themselves yeah like uh, it, for people who are listening to
1: this story and not seeing the video of it uh it's not that grown in it's like my backyard gets more grown in than this when i'm like away for a couple weeks all they need is someone with like a grass trimmer a piece of or a pair of garden shears Mm -hmm. in three minutes of spare time and it's back to its glory it's just slightly grown in but then also that aside it's not like this important sign it's just this dumb sign with like a bush kind of half blocking it it's not a big deal Like we talked at the beginning of this episode about, you know, the price of food and gas and all these reasonable things to complain about. If you're spending your time like writing emails to the mayor and the MLA and calling the news about this stupid sign that's semi grown in. Oh, man. Could you imagine living next to these people? I had the fire department called on me a couple days ago because I had a bonfire in the backyard, which is legal uh, and fine.
2: Oh, yeah. you you Your neighbor loves to interfere in your fun times.
1: Yeah. And he would be pissed if our neighborhood sign was grown in like this. Like, these people are a nightmare in my mind.
2: Well, this is when you end up at a certain point in your life where you have nothing. And you have no hobbies, you have no loved ones, you have nothing going on for you whatsoever. You have nothing to do other than think about a sign that says nothing, that's covered by (laughs) a couple of bushes that you could easily in five minutes trim yourself.
1: You wouldn't even need garden shears. If you went with regular scissors, you could reveal I'm sure you the could beauty just of this push sign. Push
2: the bushes back with your bare hands enough, maybe crack a piece crack or something. A few of them <laughs> in thirty seconds, and it would expose the sign that says nothing. And mm-hmm. the people who are not from that town, who were brought there by you know Google Maps
1: no but like a delivery man or something it's like
2: when it's, when a sign says welcome to a place that you're already in it's like yeah i'm already here i don't need to be told that i'm here <laughs> i'm already here
1: yeah And yeah, she, one of the people in that clip made it seem like it was reflecting poorly on the community. Like, it's not this, this
2: is a nice place to live. It's not like this. Yeah, this is a, this is a developed country we live in and, and how can Trudeau sit there on his high horse and allow (laughs) the bushes around this sign to be overgrown and covering up the sign? How can he do this?
1: Yeah, the the only part of it that's valid, I'm thinking, is the sign is grown in. So they call the city, but the sign, it's not like on the sidewalk. It's kind of like back a little bit. So like the city's probably like, yeah, it's not on like our property. We're not going to like maintain your sign. But who do you call? Like when someone built that subdivision, they probably put that sign there or that little monument or whatever there. But after the, all the homes were sold and everyone moved on, it's just who maintains it, whose property on it. I guess if someone got hurt, they'd fig- on that land they'd figure out who owned it and sued them or something. But when it comes to like you know sending someone with a grass trimmer to hack at the dandelions in front mm-hmm. of it. No one cares. You
2: call the city; they're just like, get, over, get There's got to be some teenagers in the summertime looking for jobs. You know, I see them around my neighborhood with their lawn mowers. They they go door to door, knocking on people's houses, yeah. saying, just "Hey, them- do you need your lawn mowed? Like for twenty bucks? Like,
1: you know?" Yeah, the, these ladies in the in the news clip, they should just give like some kids fifteen bucks and say, "This summer, use these scissors and." Don't allow the cross, our beautiful sign to be blocked. I'm
2: sure they do uh, it for I, a couple of cigarettes. They're probably
1: <laughs> we don't <know laughs> have teenagers. Are. I know. Been I know the it. economy
2: <laughs> of teenagers. Yeah, it's it's cigarettes and booze and porn. You know, that's what they all yeah. want.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we agree this is stupid. The people are out of line. It's
2: actually one of the dumbest things I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> me too and that's why i was so glad to and share she talks it. so well, much
2: about how nice the sign is for a sign so nice that she claims is so nice nobody is is, is fessing up to owning this sign so you would think <laughs> if it was as nice as she says it it i'd be like yes that's my sign yes i'll cut the bushes it's so nice yeah um Oh, it's, yeah, it, ridiculous,
1: completely ridiculous, but I love it. I love that that was news in that yeah. someone cared enough to send a camera down there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, well, speaking of caring, let's get into it. Let's spend a few minutes in review the reviews that Keep Canada Weird received. The first one that I read before we went into the story of the ridiculous sign thing uh, was someone who already knew the show. They said they were a listener of Nighttime. But there are some reviews from people who have no connection to the show, just stumbled upon us. I think this is going to get interesting. I'm just going to read it and read them, and and then we'll go off. Uh, And almost all of them are positive. When I I chose this topic, I thought, you know, we're going to have some hate. Fortunately, we didn't. So maybe we're not as bad as we think. So this is another five-star review, five out of five. They say, 100% 100% the best podcast in the world. They say, thank you guys for bringing a smile to my face with your hate for Tim Hortons. I agree. It's gross. And then they use one of the emojis of someone puking. Thank you, Aaron, for your spicy attitude and Jordan for holding everything together. I love you guys both. Thank you for making the show. It is the best show in all of history. Thank you.
2: Mm. That's nice. That's nice. I'm sure uh, the creators of Breaking Bad or The Sopranos or, you know, they probably have <laughs> something to say about that comment. But
1: yeah, I'm going to take it though. Uh, this one though, this is this is a review that I appreciate even more than it's the best in the world. The name of it is "The Animal Uprising Is Real." Their name, actually, their Apple Podcast name is "Concerned Canadian." <laughs> They say thank you for raising the alarm on the number one issue affecting Canadians. Period, and that's a five-star review. So that's someone who likely realized the animal uprising was happening um, before before we covered it. Maybe they were just waiting for a platform. They were just waiting for the words to be said.
2: Like sometimes you you feel and see something going on around you, but you don't quite have the words to describe it because maybe. It's so strange and it's and you think you're crazy but then all of a sudden a podcast comes out that starts uh, howling at the rooftops that, that there's an animal mm-hmm. uprising coming and all of a sudden you know these these uh, listeners are like yes I, I've been noticing that you know the animals mm-hmm. are rising up and trying to take over the world and we're all doomed
1: yeah and I get yeah and this person leaving this review found a beacon in the night in this podcast. yes, uh, We're like a lighthouse of animal uprising awareness. Uh, and, and every time the light spins, a new group of people are illuminated with the truth of what's going on. And I'm happy to play a small role in that. Uh, the next one, I, I... Was that eloquent? It was... No. Uh... <laughs>
2: It's oh, like no. it's like you were this university professor retiring and you're talking to your class on the last day and you're just kind of looking back at your career and the minds that you inspired and and, and the people that you <laughs> helped grow into writers and producers and all of these. OK, well, I take my work seriously. Yeah, yeah. It was just it was just nice to sit back and listen to it and not interrupt you.
1: <laughs> OK, uh, thanks. Uh, We got this one review that I'm about to read. I think I've read on the show before, but another reviewer is kind of like criticizing this reviewer. Uh, People are kind of communicating through the reviews. Listen to this. So this is our one negative review. It's a one-star review. The name of the review is Weird That Edmonton Is Not Mentioned. And the review says, A quick peruse of the episode titles reveals Toronto mentioned many times Edmonton, not mentioned once. Typical.
2: You know you know what's great about that now is that this what? review mentioning Edmonton has now been mentioned twice on this show, which means <laughs> yeah, Edmonton has now been mentioned twice on this show. So now yeah. um, the percentage of Edmonton content has risen by 200%.
1: Uh, here's the rebuttal from another reviewer named Jay Burke who gave us five stars. The name of their review is Trusted Weird News Source. They say Keep Canada Weird is the number one source of weird Canadian news. If you want more content from your city then make a story recommendation. Works far better than a one star review. (laughs) And then the middle finger emoji.
2: And then a middle finger,
3: yeah. (laughs) That's pretty good.
1: Uh, Next one. Oh, yeah. This one, I, I think, may be slanderous. We got to talk okay, about this. Okay. One. Uh, Beans and Co. is their Apple Podcasts review name. They say the the name of the review is Favorite Podcast. Here's what they say. Keep Canada Weird is hands down my favorite podcast. Quirky, funny, quirky, funny banter, collars, a collective hate of Tim Hortons. Everything you need and want in a podcast. The rapport between Handsome Aaron Airport and Jordan is awkward and awesome. Keep being weird, my dudes.
2: I read that and I'm like, what's what's awkward here? There's nothing awkward about our relationship. And mm-hmm. our chemistry is, is the opposite of awkward. It's it's a fluid. Uh, mm-hmm. It's reasonable.
1: It is definitely reasonable. We don't cross any lines. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's sensible. Uh, like everything, everything we're saying is 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 what needs to be said, right? Yeah,
1: that's why I thought it was weird when they said it was quirky and funny. I would have thought more like investigatory
2: and revealing. Yeah, because this would is be a serious accurate. show, and and the stories mm-hmm. that we cover are real stories. Yeah. Uh, the research and uh, journalism that we do is is. Uh, top-notch and it's real and it's serious and yeah. and what you and i talk about re- relating to these stories is heartfelt and uh you know appropriate mm. to yeah and to call it banter banter no that's that's like tossing it aside like it's like we don't prepare for this or something no
1: exactly this is like you don't go to school for 15 no. years for quirky banter. this
2: podcast is 100 percent scripted that's what the listeners don't realize. They, because we're exactly. so natural in our delivery, it sounds like, and the writing is so good because it sounds like we're just making this stuff up yeah. on the spot. But mm-hmm. everything that we're saying, including what I'm saying right now, has been completely written out beforehand.
1: Fact-checked, editors-reviewed, A staff of writers. Peer there's
2: about 30 writers mm-hmm. in my closet right now that are in an old... <laughs> Connected computer, paper, printer, you know, just spitting out scripts in real time. And I'm reading it It's like a teleprompter. Explain this one to
1: me. The final review is another five star with the title. Keep on keeping on. They say, I love Jordan and handsome Aaron Airport together. They're like donuts and double doubles
2: better together. Mm -mm. That's the that's the most negative review we got. Really? Well, because he double double mentions Tim Hortons as if it's a good thing. Well, it doesn't specifically mention. Yeah, but double double, but
1: I guess directly it, related to Tim Hortons. We know damn well what they're talking about. If you and if you went to McDonald's and got a coffee, you wouldn't ask for a double double. You'd ask for two cream and two sugar. Yeah,
2: I like going to Tim Hortons and asking for a vente,
1: <laughs> and just see the teenager yeah, fall, fall yeah. over. Um. Well, do you think, regardless of where it's being bought, do donuts and coffee, in fact, go better together?
2: It depends on the donut. depends on the coffee, I guess. Yeah, the type of donut. Because
1: I find, I don't, uh, when I think of a, I think donuts are fine on their own. The things that go better with coffee, I think, would be like an oat cake. Something you can dip. Yeah, Cause yeah then together it works you don't dip a donut in your coffee a nice cold glass of milk is good with a donut yeah because you can dip the donut in milk donuts and milk go better together i think like dipping an oat cake in a coffee that's good like
2: yeah yeah that's coffee and tea with an oat cake yeah i can see that but i never have a donut with coffee like not intentionally
1: especially a double double like two cream two sugar in a donut You'd have to carry me out of Coffee there. and ice cream good, like is really good. Like when pop. you have
2: like a, like a piece of pie with, a, with ice cream on top and a coffee, that's good.
1: Oh, man. Yeah. yeah that'd be, that's damn good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to remind our German listener, uh, get in touch. We want to send you ketchup yeah. chips. As well, I should also say we got a voice memo sent to us through nighttimepodcast.com slash contact from an American listener. But... Every so often, things get screwy with the uh, transmission of the voice memo to me. In this one, I couldn't hear it well, but I think it was an American listener asking us to send them ketchup chips. But I didn't get retur- their return information because the audio of their voice memo was so crappy. And I don't think it was a problem on their end. So if you're listening for this to this and you sent me a message through nighttimepodcast.com contact asking for ketchup chips right back because we're going to send a few bags out to people in exchange for reviews mm-hmm. uh Aaron, is there anything else you want to reach out to listeners for anything else you want them to do
2: i say? want the listeners to uh leave some reviews yeah on apple Podcasts for us and yeah that's a good idea and rate the show and share it around you know spread the word spread the gospel yeah, people like when you
1: listen to podcasts, they're often saying like rate and yeah, review subscribe, us, rate and review, rating and,
2: blah blah blah.
1: I don't know if that actually does anything, so I'm kind of hesitant to say go review us. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to review us on Apple Podcasts, well, definitely subscribe. That yeah. that definitely helps. But if you're going to review us, make sure it is a uh, um make g- give us something worth reading. Yeah, Write something always nonsensical do the five stars.
2: There because yeah, actually and then that right, does matter too we we do want you to put five Maybe. stars what you say though can be anything yeah let your yeah so you, fly. as long as you give us five stars <laughs> we're giving you permission to say whatever you want in the review
1: mm-hmm. There, that's a nice way to end this yeah aaron until next time jordan until next time if something in your neighborhood's bugging you Take it upon yourself to fix it. Don't wait for the government to overpay someone to come clean your sign. It would would probably cost $16,000 for the government to send someone there to clean up that sign when you could do it yourself with some shears. Get out sometimes. Yeah, and
2: you know what the solution to this is, is contact the Alberta government. They are $16,000 richer right now. (laughs) They'll send you the money to uh, afford to have a landscaper clear those signs for you, and make your town the once beautiful and elegant place that it was to live again, make it that
1: mm. we say you know sixteen thousand dollars could do nothing for the government. It could, <laughs> it could probably fund the hiring of one teenager mm-hmm. landscaper to show up there for an entire summer. Problems solved. Know, and they could
2: probably. I uh, do some other landscaping too, <laughs> you know, while they're yeah, at it.
1: Problem solved. Yeah. You don't even have to go on the news complaining about a bush. All right, <laughs> let's end it there. Thank you, Aaron. Thanks, buddy. I want to thank you for helping Aaron and I fulfill our mandate to keep Canada weird. But let us also call out to you for even greater support in this mission. If something weird happens in your neck of the woods, make sure you let us know. We'd love to hear about it and include it in an upcoming episode. Additionally, if you want to share any thoughts or opinions on any of the stories we discussed tonight, we want to hear about that too. The best way to get in touch with us is by sending us a voice memo at nighttimepodcast.com contact. We hope to hear from you. Now, before I wrap things up here, let me give some thanks. A big thanks to Aaron for sharing another evening with me and you, the listeners of Nighttime. A shout out to the internet's favorite cult leader, Unicol, who provides the series intro and outro voiceovers. And lastly, but most importantly, a massive thanks goes out to each and every one of you listening to the show, as without your interest and your support, this show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. And Now on the topic of those supporting the show, let me give a huge thanks to the newest subscribers to the Nighttime Podcast premium feed. Christina, Stacy, and LM, thank you for going premium if anyone else would like to support the show but isn't currently subscribed to the premium feed let me tell you about it a premium feed subscription costs only a couple dollars a month and it funds the creation of the show but aside from that it'll give you the episodes two days early it'll give them to you ad free and it will give you access to a full back catalog of nighttime episodes if it sounds good you can go premium right now at patreon.com slash nighttime and even if you can't go premium but still want to support the show The best way to do it is tell all your friends about the work we're doing here. We'd like their support as well. So until next time, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let us know if you see anything weird.
0: Keep Canada Weird is written, hosted, and produced by the Nighttime Podcast.